You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. How many of you really enjoy stories of adventure like faith-filled stories where individuals take risks for God and and God shows up and does great things? How many enjoy those stories? I love those stories. I love the stories of what happens when we give God an opportunity to do something um, splendid, amazing, outrageous through our lives. When he takes limited individuals like us, like yourself, like your neighbor sitting there beside you, and, and he does amazing things as we step out in faith. I, I love those stories. Matter of fact, one of my, one of my favorite stories um, is about a gentleman by the name of Ted Obrick. Ted and Sue Obrick were pig farmers in the state of Iowa. Um, kind of family had been pig farmers and he grew up being a farmer and uh, felt like God was like pulling on his heart into ministry. He didn't know what that meant, but he, he, he kind of kept feeling that tug. And, and, and finally, he, he began a process of training and preparation, uh, but he really wasn't sure what God might do through his life. He was a pretty good pig farmer, but he didn't know how good of a preacher of the gospel he would be. Well, after he finished his his time of training, um, Ted's part of a Foursquare family, so a part of the Foursquare Gospel Church around the world. The Foursquare Church sent Ted and Sue Obrick to Cambodia in the year 1998. Now, at that time in Cambodia, in the country of Cambodia, there was one, one Foursquare Church. Well, as Ted and Sue arrived in Cambodia, their objective was simply to spread the good news of the gospel and plant churches. But one day there were two babies, uh, two orphans that, that showed up on their doorstep. The first lady that they led to faith in Cambodia um, received these two orphan um, infants. Their parents had died of AIDS and these two children had no one. They were in a hopeless situation. So this lady who they had led to faith shows up on their doorstep and says, you're Christians, you're supposed to take care of orphans, here's two. And they were like, what, what do we do with two orphans? Like, we came to plant churches and preach the gospel. What do we do with two orphans? So they took the two infants and they began to travel orphanage to orphanage trying to get someone to take these two infants. And every orphanage they went to was full. They didn't know what they were going to do. Here they are preaching, there to preach, gospel, to preach the gospel to plant churches. Now they have two orphan children Sure on resources, but they decided they would take this leap of faith. With funding that they had received from the states, from churches in the states, they took the little bit of funding they had and they rented what had been a formal brothel. So there was this large meeting room that they turned into a sanctuary. And then as a brothel, it had numerous smaller rooms that they turned into bedrooms. In one month's time, they had 40 orphans. One month's time. Amazing story. As, as you fast forward in their story, so here we are now 20 years later. As a result of those two orphans, they started a ministry called FCP, Four Square Children of Promise. But today, through 20 years of ministry, Ted and Sue, get this, they've cared for over 12,000 orphans. They currently operate 106 orphan homes led by churches that's caring today, presently, today, about 3,000 orphans. Not only that, but in 20 years, they've been in Cambodia now 20 years, 
They've seen the Foursquare Church grow, get this, from one church to over 4,500 churches in the country of Cambodia. The Foursquare work in Cambodia is known not just within Foursquare, but in, in, um, in the church movement. It's known as one of the fastest growing church movements, national movements in the world today. From one church to over 4,500. And get this, don't miss this. This is what I love about this story. It all started with a pig farmer. With a man who was pretty good at farming, but he didn't know much about preaching the gospel. 20 years later, but why? Because they stepped out in faith. They said, God, we, we, we're just going to follow you. And took a, they took a huge risk. Today, not only these, the lives of these orphans that have been impacted and changed, but 4,500 churches. You might want to know as a, as a church family, as a Grace Covenant church family, we just sent $5,000 to the Obricks and their ministry. They have this initiative where they're teaching teaching these orphans how to use their hands, how to plant crops, how to harvest rice, which is the big, um, um, the big crop that they grow in the country of Cambodia. But two individuals impacting a nation simply because they were willing to take a risk, simply because they were willing to step out. But if you have your Bibles or whatever means of technology you're using, I would ask you this morning to look with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. Today, we want to look at a wild and crazy story about four men who are, I think, unnamed heroes. And what they do is pretty crazy, but Jesus thinks it's pretty amazing. And it's their actions that certainly captured the attention of the homeowner, but it also changed one man's impossible situation. And in this story, what we see is we see Jesus bringing hope in a hopeless situation. For the man who's paralyzed, and we're going to see that as we read this story, like he has no plan B. At this time, there's not like the Disability Act. Um, there's not Social Security that would take care of his needs, maybe the needs of his family. No, basically, he was destitute, disabled, and without hope. But the good news for him is he had four, four committed friends not only that, Jesus came to his hometown. Look into your notes there this morning. At this time... Like Jesus attracted hurting people like a magnet. Um, part of that was because he was doing miracles. I mean, like miraculous supernatural stuff was happening. People who had leprosy were being healed. People who were lame were, were uh, being healed. The dead were being raised. Obviously, people were attracted to Jesus because of the supernatural. But I also believe that he attracted people like a magnet because of his heart, his attitude, and his spirit. In him, people found hope. And as his followers, we're called to be those who live like that. We're called to be those who, who bring hope to others. I mean, if you're a follower of Christ, then what you're called what to, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring, to bring help to the hurting. Now, what I know today is, like, we can't heal anyone, right? We're not Jesus, right? If you haven't figured that out yet, you're not Jesus, now the good news is, if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus is in you, he's with you, but you're not Jesus. So in and of yourself, your own human ability, listen, you can't heal anyone. In and of your own ability, you can't save anyone. But you know what every one of us can do, and this is what I love about this story, every one of us can do what these four unnamed friends do. They simply took their friend to Jesus. Every one of us in the room today can do this. You can take your friend, and you tell your neighbor, hey, you can take your friend to Jesus. And when we take our friends to Jesus, it's there that the miraculous happens. 
But that's within every one, every one of our abilities. We can, we can take our friend to Jesus. And Jesus is the one who, who radically transforms people's lives. And that's what the four men do in this story. So let's read this story. If you have your scripture, Mark chapter 2, you can follow along as I read the first few verses here of this chapter. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So Jesus has come home. The word's out. The house is full. If you can think of it like this, the front yard's full, and it's like flowing over into the street outside of the yard. Notice verse 3. Some men, unnamed men, bringing to him a paralytic carried before them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they met an opening in the roof above Jesus after digging through it. Lord, the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Notice verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith. If you have your own Bible, you might want to underline that phrase. What did Jesus see? Not the faith of the paralyzed men. He saw their faith. Speaking of, of the four men. Notice what happened. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Notice verse 12. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. What an amazing story and what a happy day for the paralyzed man. How many of you would agree with me? It was probably a happy day. He was probably doing the happy dance as he left the house. Listen, if you were paralyzed and you were dependent on someone else and you had no hope and you had no future and all of a sudden your life was turned around, how many of you know that would be a happy day? Would you agree with that? So here's this man who, who's carried to the house on a mat by his four friends, but he leaves the house carrying his own mat again the obvious in the story is jesus did the miracle jesus spoke to the man and instantly he like regained feeling in his extremities his muscles regained strength uh, he's on his feet miracle happens but again don't miss this in the story this is what i love about the story is the miracle happened it happened because a four men who helped the paralytic find hope in his hopeless situation. They were determined to bring their friend to Jesus and would not let a few logistical challenges deter them from their goal. As I read this story, and when I read scripture, I just kind of like to imagine what it might have been like. Now there's a lot of details that we don't know from this story. I think kind of a lot of things have, are left unsaid. And for me, that's always an opportunity to kind of speculate. I'm just, you know, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to believe what I believe. But as I read this story, this is how I see it happening. Four friends hear about Jesus. They hear that Jesus has come 
The scripture says back to his hometown. So Jesus has come home, the word's out, and people are like, man, they're running to the house where he's at. When Jesus is in, the midst, is in the midst of teaching, the house is already filled up, the yard's filled up, they're overflowing into the streets. And here comes the four friends carrying the paralytic on the stretcher. They round the corner to the house where Jesus is at, and it's like, oh my goodness. Everybody else heard and got here before us. It's like the big sale, right? Everybody got the news ahead of you, right? And they got there before you did. That's kind of the situation. They see this crowd, and it's like, oh my goodness. Now at this point, at this point, the four friends could have said to the paralytic, sorry buddy, I guess it's not your day. They could have said, you know, we're going to have to wait for another opportunity. Maybe we can catch, catch Jesus next week or next month. Or like, sorry, buddy, guess you're going to have to just stay paralyzed. I mean, I mean that, that could have been their response, but they, they, were not, they were not willing to allow an obstacle to keep them from the opportunity. They were, not, they were not willing to allow the obstacle of the crowd to keep them from the miracle that they knew could happen if they could just get their friend to Jesus. So they did something pretty radical, pretty outrageous. They carry their friend up on the roof, it must have been something like a thatch roof. They tore a hole in the roof and they let their friend down into the presence of Jesus. Now again, a lot of details we don't know, but as I read this story, like I got all of these questions. Like what was the paralyzed man thinking? Like, hey, don't, don't drop me, right? Or what, 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 what's Jesus going to think? I mean, like he's teaching and we're going to interrupt his sermon, right? I mean, how's he going to respond? Or what about, think about this, what about the homeowner? You ever think about that? I mean, somebody owned the house, right? And they're tearing a hole in the roof, and he's, he's probably wondering, like, who's going to pay for this, right? Who's going to repair this? Like, is insurance going to cover it? I don't even know if they had insurance then, but like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the house? I mean, there's all of these things we see playing out. In this story. But it was on this day that a man's life was radically changed because he had four friends who were not willing to give up. They were willing to do the radical. They were willing to be tenacious in their response. So let me give you just a couple thoughts about roof breakers. The first, the first is this. is I believe they were the key to the miracle. Obviously the key to the miracle was not the paralyzed man. The paralyzed man was the one who had the problem. He was not the key to the miracle. The key to the miracle were the four friends. If you look back to verse 5, the scripture says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw the faith of the four men. He didn't respond to the faith of the paralyzed man, but the faith of the four men who were so confident. Man, if they could just get their friend to Jesus, like his situation would be turned around. It was their faith in Jesus that caused them like, to climb up on the roof. It was their confident expectation that caused them to tear a hole in the roof. And when Jesus saw their faith, he released healing power. And this man's situation was changed. His life was, was totally turned around. But don't miss, don't miss the significant truth of this story. It was the faith of others that created the opportunity for the miracle. It was the radical response of the four men who again were fully persuaded if they got their friend to Jesus that his life would be like forever changed. So let me ask you a question this morning. 
Who is it in your life that you need to get to Jesus? Who's that friend or family member that you need to get to Jesus? Because this is what we know. Man, if we can just get them to Jesus, like their lives, their situation would be like totally, totally turned around. You know, the greatest sign of, spiritually mature, of a spiritually mature person is not a head full of knowledge. I think oftentimes that's what we think. Well, he must be really spiritually mature because he knows a lot. It's not about how much knowledge you have. It's about your heart for Jesus and your heart for others. It's about your love for Jesus and your love for others. And when you have a love for Jesus and you have a love for others, you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to get that friend to Jesus. And as a result of your faith, who knows what Jesus might do in their lives? Because again, it was what it was the faith. It was the faith of the of the four friends that brought about the miracle of the of the paralyzed man being healed. Here's a second thought about roof breakers from the story in Mark chapter two. It's this: the paralytic was was not the only one affected by the healing power of Jesus. Now, the obvious is he was the one that was healed, right? The obvious is he was the one who left the house carrying his mat. He was the one whose situation had been totally turned around. I happen to believe that from that day forward, as long as he lived his life until the day of his death, he lived grateful. Why? Because his life had been changed. But I believe it was not only the paralyzed man whose life was changed. I believe it was the lives of the four friends who were part of the miracle. They were the ones... They created the situation so that their friend might be healed. And I believe from that day forward, man, everywhere they went, they were telling the story. Like they might have become known as the roof wrecking team. I don't know. But I believe that everywhere they went, they were telling the story. Like, hey, let me tell you what happened. Why? It was so crazy. Like we went up on this guy's roof. We didn't even know who he was. But like we went up on his roof and we tore this hole in the roof and we dropped our buddy down to Jesus. And like he was healed. I believe that from that day forward, every time they saw their friend. Can you imagine? I mean, just think about that. Every time they saw their friend, they were reminded of the power and the provision of Jesus Christ. I believe that their lives were radically, radically changed. Listen, few things are more meaningful than recognizing that you've made a fundamental difference in someone's life simply because you got involved. Simply because you were willing to do something. Hey, I, I live with this conviction, and this is my conviction, is everybody can do something to make a difference. Everybody. That includes everyone in the room, can do something to make a difference in someone's life. Just this past week, I was talking with a father who did something pretty amazing. He and his family, his wife and their son, who's about eight or nine, did something pretty radical. This is what they did. They opened their lives to three little girls that they're fostering, moving toward adoption, five years old, three years old, and 20 months. I called this dad to say, hey, thanks. Thanks for being willing to, to make room for more. Thanks for being willing to be a difference maker. Thanks for being willing to step up and be Jesus to three little girls, five years, three years, 20 months. This is what I know. In this home, 
Because this is a pretty awesome mom and dad. In this home, these three little girls, they're going to be loved. They're going to be nurtured. They're going to be invested in. The future that God has placed in them and and the potential he's placed in them, they're going to experience that. Why? Because now they have a mom and a dad who's going to invest in their lives. And this is what I know. For the lives of those three little girls, their, their lives will never be the same. Why? It's really simple. Somebody stepped up and got involved. Someone brought Jesus into their hopeless situation. Hear me this morning. Now there's three little girls that have unbelievable hope. And their lives have been, listen, their lives and their situation have been totally changed. Why? Because there was a couple who loves Jesus and they opened their lives to more. A A little bit like the four friends who did something radical. They tore a hole in the roof. Here's a mom and a dad who said, yeah, we could... We could love on some more kids. As a result of that, they simply just brought Jesus into the situation. Their lives, their lives are changed. The lives of these little girls will be changed. Listen, folks, value in life, hear me. This is so critical because we are so deceived today. Value in life is not found in what what you gain and what you gather. Value in life is found as you serve others. Value in life is found when you step up and you make a difference in someone else's life. It's that 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 counts. It's that that's significant. Listen, it's that that brings fulfillment. I'm not against gaining and and I'm not against gathering. I'm not against whatever God might bless you with. But listen, at the end of the day, what really matters is whose life did you impact along the way? If you live your life for yourself, only for yourself, and you gathered a bunch of stuff, then you're going to die leaving that bunch of stuff to someone else and you're going to have missed the greatest opportunity in life. What is that? It's making a difference in someone else's life. It's finding, so to speak, a paralytic and carrying him to a house and tearing a hole in a roof. It's getting involved to make a difference. That's what, that's what really matters, really matters in life. But before you can be a roof breaker, you first have to be a mat carrier. Yeah, I believe that like we all want to like, see the supernatural. We all want to see the paralytic get up, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We all want to see that. We all want to see the supernatural happen. But can I submit to you that before you can become a roof breaker, you have to be a mat carrier. Before these four men ever got to experience the supernatural, the miraculous of Jesus healing their friend, they had to carry him on a mat. And we don't know the details of the story. Maybe this has been happening for a long time. Because we don't know how long he was paralyzed. Maybe it was a week. Maybe it was months. Maybe it was years. Maybe they've been carrying their friend around for some time on a mat before this day came that the miracle happened. So this is what I know. As we are faithful to be mat carriers, then we're going to get to experience that of Jesus doing only what he can do. Where does it happen? It happens when individuals like you and I just show up to serve. We step up to make ourselves available. As we're willing to be mat carriers, it's there that, that we position ourselves for God to do something greater in and through our lives than we could ever do by ourselves. When? As we simply serve. As we're willing to carry the mat. So as I wrap this up this morning, let me leave you with three simple ways 
that we can be mat carriers. Because I believe if we consistently, faithfully carry the mats, then Jesus shows up. He shows up where, where we're willing to represent him, where we're willing to serve others. So, so the, first, the first way you can be a mat carrier, and these are not complicated, really simple. The first way you can be a mat carrier is develop friendships. Listen, don't live your life in isolation. Who's your neighbor? Do you know your neighbor? Who, who do you work with? Do you, do you know who you work with? Have you established a relationship with them? Listen, we are relational beings. And as we develop friendships, then we discover ways that we can be mat cared. We discover ways that we can serve others. And as we're serving others, what do we do? We get to bring the presence of Jesus into the midst of that serving opportunity. Because listen, Jesus is in you. If you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, the scripture is so clear, is that you, you have become the dwelling place of God. So get this, wherever you go, Guess where Jesus is at? Say wherever I'm at. Go ahead and say it. That makes me feel. Thank you. So where's Jesus at? He's wherever you go. Because you're representing him. He's in you. So so the first way we can be a Mac here is is we need to develop friendships. The second way is look for opportunities to serve. And they're all around us. They're all around you. I mean, there's opportunities for us to carry someone's mat all the time. We just need to be looking for those opportunities. You know, it's interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus was saying, just as I have come to serve, so I've called you to serve. So look for the opportunities. Look for those places where you can, so to speak, carry someone's mat. I think another way that we can be mat carriers is to take action. What I love about this story in Mark chapter 2 is the four friends had a bias to action. In other words, they, they didn't just like, oh, we're going to have to wait for a better opportunity. No, they made something happen. I'm kind of that guy. I, 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 I want to make something happen. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and sit around and wait. No, I, 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 I'd, I'd, much rather, I'd much rather Jesus say to me, slow down than get up off the bench. I bias to action. We're willing to move. We're willing to act. We're willing to do like whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. Because listen, if we can get our friends to Jesus, this is what I know. Their lives will forever be changed. It won't be the same. Like the paralytic, his life was never the same. Why? His friends got him to Jesus. And let me tell you why. Because they had a biased action. Saw the crowd, couldn't get to the door, said, no problem, we're going to tear a hole in the roof. A biased action. Now, you might get arrested if you do that today. But don't sit around and wait for something to happen. No, in the name of Jesus, move. In the name of Jesus, get up off the bench and put faith to action and watch what Jesus does in and through your life. So I just want to leave you with a question this morning. Here's the question. When was the last time you broke through a roof for someone else? When was the last time that you were willing to do something radical and outrageous for Jesus that opened the way for Jesus to do only what Jesus could do?
Listen, hear me, friend. As long as we stay on that soft padded pew in the comfort of this building, we're going to miss. We're going to miss the miracles. We're going to miss the life change. We're going to miss the opportunities that Jesus has for us. So again, the question is really simple. When was the last time you broke through a roof for someone else? But you showed up on their behalf and brought Jesus into their situation. So again, this is what I know, and I said it earlier. Let me say it again as I'm finishing. You, you can't heal anyone. I can't heal anyone. But let me say what I can do. I can bring Jesus into the situation. You can bring Jesus into the situation. Simply as we're willing to carry the mat, then we'll get to be a part of a life transformed. Lives transformed. So my challenge to you today is really simple. Man, be a roof breaker for Jesus. Live out your life with radical faith so that as Jesus sees your faith, that through your faith, he brings his greatness for your friends. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for this amazing story that's recorded for us in Scripture that, that challenges us, that encourages us as to the opportunities that's before us every day. Lord, what I know in our circles of influence, Lord, that you've given us, Lord, every day there's opportunities for us to be mat carriers and Lord, I know that mat-carrying business kind of sounds so mundane. But it's, it's as we faithfully show up to serve, as we faithfully show up to give, as we faithfully show up to help, as we faithfully show up, Jesus, it's there that you show up. And Lord, what I know is when you show up, people's lives are never the same. So Lord, my prayer today for myself, for this congregation I'm privileged to lead, may we simply be willing to be mad carers. And what I know is if we just, if we, if we continually show up serving, representing you, Jesus, you're going to show up and do what we could never do. So Lord, from this simple story today, I pray that we would be challenged to develop friendships, to look for the opportunities to serve, to take action. Jesus, that you might be glorified and that your kingdom might come through our lives, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. Holy Spirit, Help us that ends, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.